0: Simon Cox, welcome to the Baggies broadcast. How are you, pal? How's things? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Really, really good to be here. No worries, no worries Oh, I know you've just come into this podcast after having a workout, but the last time I saw you having a workout, <laughs> you had a workout the Hawthorns a few weeks ago at the Clash of the Legends. Game, how were the old legs after that one? Oh, I struggled a few days
1: after, mate. Uh, ice baths needed, but no, it was good, mate. Really enjoyed it. Good to be back. and. Uh, playing at the stadium again seeing old faces and some some lads who I'd obviously never met or played with before so that was nice uh, obviously nice to get a goal as well which was, which was nice to be back and doing that yeah
0: good yeah finish. Good, good finish clotted, as well
1: slotted finish yeah I should have scored the second one we were at the bar as well but
0: tried to be a bit too clever I think to be fair, we're still after a few center forwards at Albion, so we'll probably yeah. still do a job, to be honest. I thought it was happening it's see, a shout, mate.
1: I'm afraid
0: I'm Cracking. Well, obviously, the, the majority of the chat will be about your Baggy's career and what's gone on since. But we're just going to go briefly right back to the very start, um, where it all started for you. Um, in terms of professionally, I think it was Reading where you, you sort of came through. What was it sort of prior to that? Was it sort of playing for your local boys club or, or doing bits and bobs and getting picked up? How did it work for you?
1: Yeah, so obviously majority of it is uh, schoolboy stuff and, um, you know, going through school years and playing Sunday league football and stuff like that. I got I actually got really lucky because when I, when I was playing for my uh, Sunday league team, I was playing with the Reading um, assistant manager's twin boys um, in the same age group. So And we ended up playing up a couple of years because obviously they, they felt that we would have sort of better few that um of our age group so and then we we sort of did really well at those age groups and then he he sort of came up to me one day my mum and dad and said like you know why does he not come down for a, a trial it was a center of excellence at times so it was at the time so it wasn't as if it was like a full-on academy setup or anything else like that um went down at the age of nine and didn't leave till 21 <laughs> so that was basically how it went um it was it was great, man. I loved it. Absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah. And what was it like? Was it your club, Reading? or you are you from that neck of the woods? Was it what what was it like sort of coming through the ages there?
1: Yeah, there'd only been I wanna say there'd only been like one or two before who sort of from the Reddin area, uh, who have come through, Nathan Tyson being one, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, but um so I sort of had a, a sort of burning desire to sort of make myself be one of those as well. Um, and, you know, going through the school years and going through the, you know, the the center of excellence as it turned into the into academy level, you know, I had some good coaches, obviously I had some bad ones as well. But um, but it was just one of those where I just really had that burning desire to make myself into a footballer. Um, and being able to sort of do it at what was my hometown club and you know I've been going to Reading since the age of sort of 12-13 years old when they even when they transferred into from Elm Park days into the Madejski you know I I just I just thought yeah I'd love to do this as a job and 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 create a living for myself and you know I was lucky enough to be able to do it.
0: Yeah I I know sort of when you got into the the later stages at Reading to the senior senior stages, you had a, quite a few lone loan spells. What were they like for a for a young lad going out and playing with sort of for want of a better word, hairy ass men in, in that <laughs> <team> <laughs> yeah. and stuff and cutting your teeth? It's what horrible. was it like?
1: It's a horrible looking men, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, nah, do you know what it was? Uh, as much as I really enjoyed coming through the system and everything else, I came through at a really bad time because Reading the season I sort of made the breakthrough is the season that Reading went and won got 106 points so they win the championship and you got the likes of Kevin Doyle, Shane Long, um, Dave Kitson, Leroy Leto, all of these all fighting for places and I'm trying to come through as a young kid coming uh, coming up the next one so it, there was few and far um, opportunities for me to play, majority of my appearances came in in like league cup games or referee cup early stages. Um, and then it was a case of like, look, you're probably not going to play that often, so you might as well go and try and find a loan spell. Went out, went to Brentford, went to Northampton. Um, then the following season, obviously they're in the Premier League, so they they recruit obviously as as everybody everyone does. Um, so there's a, additional forwards coming in the door. So again, it was I knew my game time was not going to be uh, that much. So again, I had to go out on loan. So I went to Swindon on loan. Loved it. Scored. Loads of goals that first season,
0: and then end up signing there. Yeah, and what did um was that a no-brainer? Was there sort of an approach um, at the time? Who, who was the manager at Swindon at times? It Danny.
1: No, um, so when yeah. I signed on loan, it was um, Paul Sturrock. Paul Sturrock. Um and yeah, I had the choice of two loans. I could either go to Swindon, which is you know if you know the Reading area, it's only about forty five minutes away from Reading, or I could go to Yeovil, which is you know. I mean, I, however many miles in,
0: yeah, and yeah, i players road. talk about Yeovil, not not in well, good I, terms either.
1: I decided to stay at home and uh, and go 45 minutes down the road. Um, but it was great, you know. Sturrock, Paul Sturrock was brilliant. You um, listen, it was old school, terrible Tuesdays. You know, it was. Um, Pole in one end of the uh, end of the training ground to the other, and it was run, and you and you couldn't finish until everybody had done a certain amount, and that was Tuesdays, and you know it was tough, but it was good grounding for me. It was what you know I needed, I wanted uh, in terms of getting used to what is a professional football environment. Obviously, the glitz and glamour. Or, you know, the shiny new tra- uh, training ground at Reading. Then you also go into, you have to drive to the training ground and or you drive to the stadium, get dressed, go to the training ground at Swindon, get all hot, sweaty, muddy, and everything else. Then get back in your car and go back to the training ground. That's the sort of stuff that I needed, that, that grounded me quite nicely, Um and obviously end up going and doing really well, which was, you know, a bit of a, the icing on the cake, really.
0: Yeah, I think you got. I think it was 29 league goals in your in your sort of one season, 32 in all competitions. Yeah. Uh, was there a sense, you know, as you were banging in goals? And just at that time, I remember at the time Swindon, because they were sponsored by 442. And I used to get 442 magazines, so there was a lot in there. And there was like, there was yourself, I think before you there, or after, there was like Charlie Austin who scored loads of goals, yeah. Billy Painter scored loads of goals. Yeah. Um, I think there was someone else in there, I couldn't recall the name either, another striker who was around that era. But it seemed like Swindon just scored a, a bucket load of goals at that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we done really well. Like, as a as a forward uh, lineup uh, was was quite
0: nice. Oh. Still there?
1: Still there? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, still
0: there.
1: I, I just clicked something on the screen and <laughs> this went.
0: Um,
1: yeah, we went. Um, we had a, Charlie Austin was after me, um, but Billy Painter was with me, and we done. He was the sort of. Big horrible centre forward that I needed to play alongside, um, so that it allowed me to do the sort of running behind and the sort of six yard box stuff. Um, and then we, you know I scored a, a load of goals, and he, you know, he still scored. He still scored quite a few, got quite into double figures. But it was the season after where he flourished with Charlie and. You know, we just seem to do really well as a forward line uh, at that football club. It's a it's a lovely place to play,
0: play good football.
1: Um, pitch is always nice, which is which is good, and it, it just uh, it
0: just happened. Yeah. So when did sort of towards the end of that season, when did the when did interest first start coming in? When did the West Brom interest first sort of surface, if you can remember?
1: It was. Do you know what? It was. It just sort of got momentum as the season went on. You know, you even see it now where. You know, players who start the season really well, then they obviously have a bad spell with the tail off and, and the interest that they had at the start of the season doesn't sort of carry on throughout the season. Whereas because, you know, I hit a lot of goals that year and, and I've never really went through a bad spell, you know, probably, um, I only probably had maybe three or four games where I didn't score, like in consecutive games. So the interest just carried on uh, gaining momentum. And obviously you pick up the paper because it was papers. That, and then, you know, it wasn't social media. you never really had that. Um, you'd pick up the paper on a Sunday, whether you scored or won or whatever, and uh, you'd always see your name linked with this club or that club. Um, and I never really took much notice. I actually quite enjoyed it because it was, you know, just nice to sort of see. Uh, but I'm, I remember sort of, Understanding that you know there was Bobby Hope, obviously so he's no not with us, but he came down to view a few games. Then obviously Dan Ashcroft came down to see, Michael Appleton came down, and then a couple of Tony Mowbray's staff came down to watch, and and then Tony came down to watch a game. So as you sort of go through the sort of hierarchy of the football club coming down to watch it, that's when you sort of realise that you know actually there's a there's an interest there.
0: Yeah. So was it? Because you signed in two thousand and nine. So was it Tony Mowbray who signed you, or was it Roberto mm-hmm. Di Matteo signed you? Because you say they're interesting. I've got Roberto Di Matteo written down because you came in at the start of that season, didn't you? Yeah.
1: So it's story quickly that Tony Mowbray was out of all those people that came to watch me. So Bobby, Dan, uh, Appy, um whoever else was on Tony Mowbray's staff, they all came down and they they their reports went back and they said, yeah, absolutely sign him. Tony came down to watch me. It was a game I didn't score and he t- he went back and went, no, I'm not signing you. So he was the yeah. only one out of a lot of them that didn't want to sign me. And it was funny actually seeing him in the Legends game because he didn't yeah. talk to me that much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then obviously he left and went to Celtic and then Robbie came in. And because I'm guessing that Dan had seen me, Appy had seen me, Bobby had seen me, you know, they, I think they already made their mind up and obviously had to get the all clear from Robbie. But, um, but I played against Robbie because he was at MK Dons at the time, so I, I played and and done well in the game. So he he just sort of gave the all clear for for the signing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like Tony Mowbray still loved that Albion signed you know some players yeah. from from the lower leagues and stuff that have done well. Is it one of them? Like as a player, you sort of hold that against a manager, or you know, everyone makes mistakes, don't they? And that's probably one of Mowbray's mistakes <laughs> at Albion.
1: I well, the thing is because I had I had three seriously interested clubs at the time of when I was leaving Swindon, West Brom was one of them. Celtic was another and Newcastle was another. All three clubs were all in massive transition periods. West Brom and Sel- uh, West Brom and Newcastle had just come down from the Premier League. Both didn't have managers because Tony had left. Tony then went to Celtic and because he didn't like me at West Brom, there was no way he was going to sign me yeah. for Celtic. So that one went out the window. So then it was pretty much a race between West Brom and, and Newcastle who could appoint a manager first. Um and then I got I was in the I was in the car and Dan phoned me, Dan Ashra phoned me and he said, look, we're appointing our manager tomorrow. We want you, we want you to sign like a couple of days later. You you know, what do you think? And I was like, You're gonna tell me who it is, you know, because ultimately I sign and he doesn't like me and that's me. he
0: are
1: done. He said, Look, I can't tell you, but you know, when he signed, I'll get him to pick up the phone to you. And I was like, all right, fine. And then Robbie uh, Robbie signed and then I I signed like a couple of days
0: later. Yeah, how was your first meeting with Roberto Mancini? Because I met him for the first time in the tunnel after that Legends game, and yeah. I was like, this guy just oozes like charisma. He's like the archetypal Italian <laughs> man almost. How, how was he with the players, and what was he? What was his sort of yeah? He what wasn't, was the rapport like with the players? He wasn't
1: that way when he was the manager. I can no. tell you that. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he no, nah, he was good. He was all right. He was um, listen. It was a big change for him as well. You know, no management experience apart from his, his you know, what, six months or. One season at, um, at MK Dons to then obviously get the, the West Brom job. Um, so he was sort of trying to find his way as well. Brought in Eddie Newton with him as well. Um, it was. I think our personalities aren't aligned. Mine and Robbie's. You, you said he oozes class. I mean that, that's probably saying
0: a little bit about me, but um, he, which could be perceived in another way, which people are picking up. Yeah. yeah,
1: but he likes he likes the serious side. He, typical Italian do you know what I mean like serious eat and breathe yeah. and love football like and and I obviously come in from a team where I was you know I was given basically carte blanche to do anything I like you know I was in and out um you know obviously I'd done really well so I came in with the same attitude that I was I'd come in I'd enjoy it I'd laugh I'd joke I'd you know go out to training I'd enjoy it I would make laughs make jokes you know I'd was seen as like a really happy-go-lucky kind of person, and I remember um, getting a phone call from my agent at the time, and he said I just had a phone call from Robbie to say like he he thinks you don't take this serious enough. He needs you to he needs you to be a bit more serious, and I was just like, you know, that's that's really hard for me to sort of tone your personality down yeah. just to sort of fit in. Um, but obviously, I had to do something to sort of be a part of the of the club. And um, and then when I met when I saw him again at, uh, at the Legends game, we had a chat, and he was he was good as gold. Do you know what I mean? There like, was no no hard feelings, no nothing. No, like, he was he was great. And and I, obviously, I, I have to say a bit of a thank you to him anyway because he he sort of okayed my signing, and he and he gave me the opportunity to sort of be a part of it. And 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 we did we did good things.
0: Yeah, what was the when you went into that dressing room, what was it like? I can imagine some some characters in there. You got Jonas Olsen in there, you got I think Scott Carson would have been in there at the time, uh like to Roman Bednar, who were the who were the loudmouths? who were the standouts in there?
1: But that, that was it. Like I walked in again, going from a, a Swindon side which is like League One at the time, to going in from a to a dressing room full of what I sort of perceived as like Premier League footballers, um, regardless of just being relegated, but um, you know, you, Jonas, Chris Brunt, Jonathan Greening, Paul Robinson, James Morrison, Scott Carson. You know, all these people like Robert Coram. I mean, loads of loads of lads there who have played probably played hundreds of games in the Premier League. Obviously, fluctuated up and down uh, between there and the Championship, but had proper winning mentality you know you come in you do your job and you and you get promoted and you stay in the Premier, that sort of thing and that was and it was just like I, I sort of walked in and went oh this is uh this is a bit different you know from what I was used to.
0: Is um, it intimidating for a player to come from a was, lower league?
1: It was just it, it was it was intimidating in, in terms of like these are people that I never thought I would sit in a dressing room with you know because I had a sort of as much as I had a desire to sort of forge a career for myself, it, it sort of went a little bit too quickly. Um, so I, I sort of sat in that dressing room and went, oh, like, these people I shouldn't be meeting for another year or two. Uh, and then you meet them and then like, realise, yeah. actually, now these are my teammates and need, now I need to get to know them as quick as
0: possible. To How old were you at this point, Simon? You're still relatively quite young. 20,
1: 21, yeah. 21, 22. Yeah, so... I. I was just, you know, I'll go into it a bit later, but I, my career went like from sort of Reading and there, uh, then obviously dropped down, and then went straight up. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was it. And um, so, but listen, I loved, I loved going in that dressing room because I felt like that's where like, I, I wanted to be. I wanted to sort of make a name for me at the football club, try and find my way, get you know, get in amongst it, find out who. The people that I will like and get on with, people that you know you sort of have relationships with in terms of off the field, on the field, whether you play golf with them, whether you go out for drinks, go for dinner, wives and girlfriends will meet, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, this that's what you know football is all about in in the dressing room,
0: yeah. And in terms of you mentioned there, like at sweater, you know, Roberto Dimitri said you, you're not serious enough, but at Swindon, you know, you can do different things out, laughing, a joke, and I'm sure further down the league as well. You know, there was still a bit of a drinking culture, and like players would go out and socialise and stuff. What What was that like in that dressing room at Albion? Was that still around? Because obviously football's turned now, where that just is non-existent. Yeah. You know, was it still around then? And and if so, you know, was there a group of you go and have a few? You know, hear the old Arsenal Tuesday clubs. I'm sure it's not as <laughs> rowdy as that, like. But
1: no, not that we never really had a Tuesday club, which is a bit disappointing. But um, <laughs> but no, we. You'd have socials, do you know what I mean? Of course you would. You'd have, uh, you go out on a Saturday. Like with Robbie, Robbie changed. Like obviously, the, the normal working week for a footballer uh, at a normal football club is sort of in Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, in Thursday, Friday, game Saturday, off Sunday. Whereas Robbie, being the sort of European manager, he was game Saturday, in Sunday, off Monday, in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, game Saturday. So all of a sudden that like ruins your weekend straight away. So then all of a sudden it becomes Sunday sessions. Yeah. So but that's when you're in a, a, an area like you know the east uh, in the Midlands where if you win it's all right, everyone really likes you. If you if you don't win, all of a sudden you bump into the wrong person and it can it can turn a little bit like you know yeah. you shouldn't be out all that sort of stuff. Um, so people, we would go out every now and again. We wouldn't be out every weekend or anything else like that. So it was there. There was still that, you know, the lads like Cars and and even Jonas and Muzzer and you know Dozer and that. We we would all have like a few drinks here and there, but it wasn't a, a case of
0: Tuesday No, no, no. Just in terms of that striking unity came in. I think it was Roman Bednar would have been in there. Ishmael Miller had still been around at that point, of I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, a young Chris Wood as well that season. Yeah, very very young Chris, Chris Ridge, yeah. Wood. Yeah, what what was that like coming in? Did you all sort of fit in and get on well? There's probably some good characters in there, certainly Badnar and, and Miller. Um, yes, well
1: Ish Ish actually was one of the, one of the main reasons I signed because I remember watching uh, West Brom Bristol Rovers FA Cup on on the telly and he yeah, scored five
0: one yeah, record,
1: and he was an absolute animal. You know, and I remember watching a couple of games um, in the Premier League. I think it was the, the Blackburn game where he's obviously got it on the turn and he's been in the bottom corner. And and I just thought, oh, this guy is is my type of person. You know, he's my type of striker to play with. He's the big guy. He's the one who takes all the knocks and that. And and again, similar to sort of Billy, I'll be able to do the the bits and that that I needed to do. And then, you know, unfortunately he got... Two really horrible knee injuries, and uh, and it, and I never really played with him um, in my time there. He, um, I think he, I don't think he actually, I don't think we actually played together, to be honest. Um, but obviously he then went to Forest, and I played with him there. But he, uh, yeah. But even Roman, Roman was brilliant. Luke Moore, you know. Luke Moore, he, yeah, of course. God, young, young, well, yeah. Chris, young Chris Wood was my first ever roommate on preseason tour.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: did you envisage him
0: going on to do what he's done sorry say that again did you ever envisage him to go on and do what he's done
1: no not really I didn't I just uh, I don't know it was it was tough obviously when you're a young player it's very hard to envisage what they're going to go on to do but I sort of saw him having a you know top end league one you know bottom end championship sort of career uh, but he He like because one of the things I think when they when he was at West Brom was he wasn't strong enough he wasn't aggressive enough and then all of a sudden he went to he went you know had a couple a lot of loan spells but Brighton um, he went to a few other clubs and then all of a sudden when he went to Leeds. He found that aggression. He found that, you know, if the lads put the ball in the box, he'll go and head it. And he, and he was looking after the ball a lot better and his touch got better. And then all of a sudden it started to steamroll for him. And that's, you know, the momentum as a player. And, he, and listen, credit to him. He's gone on. And, you know, the Newcastle moves probably not worked out as best as it has done, or could have done for him. But ultimately, he's uh, he's at a football club where he can, uh, he, he can be um, part of a you know, something something amazing.
0: Yeah. Just in terms of that season collectively, I think you got sort of ten and thirty odd odd games. Um, you know, you played obviously there thirty odd games played quite a lot. Was there always a feeling that you were one of the stronger ones in the division? Obviously Newcastle were in there that season as well, but was it always the confidence that, you know, you got the likes of well, certainly you as a striker, when you got the likes of Brunton Dorans behind you, you're always gonna always gonna make your chances, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, Dozer was absolutely on fire. I mean, as well, you know, it was probably single-handedly one of the best performances I've ever seen in the team. You know, he uh, he was outrageous. Um, so when I walked into the dressing room, I remember looking at the players around us and, and I remember sort of being told that, like, in no uncertain terms as we get promoted this year, by hook or by crook, sort of thing, and and it's not a case of oh, we come down from the Premier League and spend two or three seasons in the Championship. It's no, we, we go straight back up. Um, and you were between Newcastle, Forest, and and West Brom, sort of. It, it was going to be between those three and obviously towards the end of that season forest sort of started to tail away and we we were we were sort of going about our business quite quietly it was always there was a little bit of noise coming from forest and and you know thought that we were gonna sort of blow up a little bit but you know it was ended up who uh, they who did it. Um but I look at the team that we had and if we hadn't got promoted it would have been criminal. Um like you said Brunty, Moza, Daza you know, even Robert Coram, you know, with goals in the team, it, we had goals everywhere, you know, even Big Jonas and uh, Shelley Martis, you know, all popped up with goals. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a case of we'd score goals from all angles.
0: Yeah, no, and then you went up, that's it. For you, as you said, there your career went, you know, up and up and up as a whirlwind, League, two, uh, League One, sorry, to the Championship in, in the space, uh, to to the Premier League, sorry, in the space of like, 12, months. Yeah, yeah. months, you, yeah. you know, when that summer and you're going into that, obviously excited to go into the Premier League. Are you confident, right, I can stand my authority and, uh, and make a name for myself here? No, nope. no, <laughs> actually not. No, nah.
1: I, I wasn't, I, I really wasn't. I was really excited about it, but I really wasn't. I wasn't ready, I wasn't ready for it. So I wasn't ready for, um, you know, the going to... Stanford Bridge first game of the season. I wasn't ready for it. Uh, I know I was on the bench, came on. Um, but I, I wasn't ready for what it entailed. I wasn't ready to go to the likes of Anfield and White Hart Lane and, and all the sort of big, lovely grounds. And I think the one thing that sort of really held me back was what possibly could be said about me or, you know, the... The
0: confidence thing, Simon.
1: It wasn't, I don't think it was a confidence thing. I think it was more a case of just the belief. Do you know what I mean? Like of, of believing that I be- belonged in that in that division. And I think when I say we went like that, I if I'd have spent one more season in the championship and scored 15, 20, 25 goals with West Brom for, se- you know, uh, let's say, then I would have believed in myself, right, let's go and have a crack at the Premier League and have two or three seasons of, of trying to get that. Obviously, again, like we said with Reading, when you get promoted, you bring in players. So we've obviously brought in Piotr and Wingy, who was going to play, you know. And and that was, you know, again, my game time just wasn't going to be enough. And to try and find momentum and to try and build myself into what is effectively to be a Premier League player, um, I would have loved to have got off the mark really early on. That would have given me full belief of, of, you know, being a player and and it took so long and and you know I'd play a little bit here, a little bit there, maybe start one game here, come out, not play for a few weeks. And and I just never got in the groove of it. And I think the one thing for me is I never I'd never up to that point, or even to be fair, during that point, I'd never had anybody say anything bad about me as a player. And I was worried that I'd go home after a game, played, won, lost, whatever it was, and somebody highlight that he's not a good player or not his touch isn't good or he can't play at this level. And that was just, in my head, I was just nowhere near ready for what, you know, to, to be in the Premier League at that time.
0: Yeah. Is it, pro- you know, you mentioned there when you signed for Albin and no social media, was it pro- the majority of your career was played without social media, probably, or yeah, the part it, of it? Is that a good thing from what you've just said there
1: yeah, I mean, it was. But obviously, I, I, again, I would watch Match of the Day and mm. Saturday or whatever it was uh, on Super Sunday and everything else. And I and I just wouldn't Monday Night Football. Imagine like like now getting absolutely pelted by like Gary Neville on, on Monday Night Monday Night Football or even like Shearer and whatever, Lineker and that on, on Match of the Day and just think, oh, uh, like in my head at that time, I mean, like I said, I was 24, 25 at the time. I don't think I'd have been able to deal with that. Um, obviously, social media got got bigger and and more accessible um, as I went through my career, and and it was fine. But it yeah, it was just I just I was just wasn't ready, I wasn't ready for it.
0: Yeah. So that season, you know, you had a, a few appearances. Roberto Di Matteo had some good results early on. it beat Arsenal three two at the yeah. Emirates. Um, but ultimately, it came to him getting the sack, and Roy Hodgson coming in. What as players, what was what was that feeling at the time? So, I don't think Albion were in the bottom three or they were just flirting around it and, and they made the, the decision, which turned out to be the right choice. Um, yeah. But as players, what what was it like, if you can recall, as players at the time? Did you think it was the right choice?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because you go from being like one of the best teams in, in the Championship, where you're able to sort of go forward and and not have to worry, not too much worry about like defending because the lads at the back are, you know, first class and they'll be able to deal with whatever they somebody throws at you. But then when you get into the Premier League, it's a, it's a completely different kettle of fish. You're not one of the big teams. You're going away or, uh, you know, coming up against strikers who, you know, can do completely different things to what the Championship players can do. So you need to all defend as opposed to just leaving it to sort of like four or five lads at the back. Um, so we weren't defensively sound Enough for the Premier League, and that was, you know, uh, when I say about Robbie, that was the one thing about Robbie that you, he was learning on the job as well, because he'd been at League One, he'd been in the Championship, and and now he's in the Premier League. He's coming up, coming up against managers who've been doing it for years and years and years, and he he has to try and find a way to to make us defensively sound as well as you know exciting going forward, and that's different in the Championship to the Premier League. So when when I remember it, because we got off the bus after being beat four, I think, at Man City. Um, and then he got the sack the next day. And then a couple of days later, Roy comes in and, and anybody who knows anything about Roy Hodgson, one thing he does is he makes you defensively sound. Um, you know, you're never going to be flamboyant going forward, but ultimately he's going to make you defensively right. And it's exactly what we needed at the time. And then, obviously, as you grow, you, you get momentum, you sort of win games, you believe in his system and in his way of playing, his philosophy and all that. And then all of a sudden you start winning and and you start climbing the table. And that's exactly what happened with us.
0: Yeah, you know, I think when Roy came in, he had a point to prove, you know, he hadn't gone well at Liverpool. What, what, what? How, how did you sort of, how did you like, get on with him or, or like him, Simon? Because I know players say, for some players, I've heard that they love him, the majority of players, but some players didn't quite see the eye to eye, not at Albion, but just in general. But how was he with you and and, and, and working with Roy? What was that like?
1: I loved him. I loved him. I really did. Um, I thought it was a bit of a challenge for me because, let's be fair, Roy Hodgson's probably never heard of Simon Cox before in his life, before coming to to West Brom. And, and you know, the first day, I remember him standing out on the training, training pitch, Legs like as wide as anything, arms crossed, looking at everyone warming up, and then you go over and say good morning. And um, he, oh, I think he probably looked at me. He must this this lad must be a ball boy or something like? <laughs> he <said. laughs> um, but he he was brilliant, you know. And I remember having chats with him most days about you know whether it be family life, whether it just be football, whether it be the game the the, the night before, whether it be whatever. Um, And I remember that he basically was saying to me that all he needs out of players is trust. He needs to know that he can trust the player, that when he puts them on, he knows that he can trust them to do the job that he sent them on to do. Um, And that was all I needed, really. I needed to be able to sort of go out there and prove to him that he could trust me. He could throw me in and... You know, by all accounts, the amount of people that I've spoken to who were in his backroom staff or knew him really well outside of football or whatever, he's, he seemed like he trusted me. So, that was uh, that was great for me.
0: Yeah. So, over the next two seasons, you know, there's like to yourself, Peter Odoming, you think Marc Antoine Fortuné would have been at Albion then, yeah. Shane Long at, at a point as well. And you scored sort of a, a handful of goals in each season. I think your your best one will probably be that one at Spurs at White Hart Lane, the, the equaliser, <laughs> I imagine. Um, what was it like in there? Would you, were you... Sort of still bit part, and was it a case of you thought that how long can this go on? You know, you're still quite young, really, and want to play yeah. play games. What, what 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 was it like over them two seasons?
1: Well, I made I made a decision. I got uh, I remember January coming up, and I was being linked with a move uh, a loan move to Ipswich. And I remember sort of sitting with Roy, and he was like, Nah, not interested. Um, I want you to stay. I want you to be a part of it." So I was like, "Yeah, perfect." You know, obviously yes, I want to play every game, but I want to play every game at a, a, a club that I feel like I, I belong at and and I'd had loans before and I just wasn't overly excited about that uh, Ipswich move. So I stayed and ended up after that, after the January, I remember playing loads of, you know, started loads of games under Roy. Um, and he was, like I say, he was brilliant with me because I'd never played the Premier League before so all of a sudden I felt like I started to grow into it you know I remember playing Arsenal at home Arsenal you know I started to do like the the natural thing and start believing and uh, and he was brilliant I I'd probably played four or five games I'd come out I'd go back in a couple of games I'd come out you know towards that, the end of that season I, I probably played more games than I I thought I would have done after turning down a loan move because I thought oh when you turn down a loan move, you're probably surplus to where you are because you're being linked with a with a loan move. Um, but actually, I you know he was he was great and and I played loads more and I started to believe it and that's where like that summer I thought was massive for me.
0: Yeah. And then was that the, the first season or the second season? Second
1: under season under Roy. Second yeah. season under
0: Roy. So I yeah. did I did it come about then that you, you saw. Sort of, were you out of contract or were you still in the contract or? No,
1: I still had I still had another year um, and. I remember going on holiday and I was talking to my agent at the time and, and we were going to go in for a new, new contract. Um, and I remember Dan being like the hard person to negotiate with. He was giving me an extra like 500 quid a week. And I was like, I just played like the last, you know, 12 games of the season. I don't think, you know, regardless whether he thinks I've done well or not, it's not, it, it's the manager. Who, if he wants to keep me, you know, you keep me sort of thing. Um, and I remember sitting on on holiday, and I had the contract come through, and I was like, I don't know, like I'm not, might just wait for how preseason goes, how we start the season. If I start the season, obviously you you can, um, you know, you can start negotiating again a little bit harder if you start well, um, and that and that's the sort of idea of it. And then on, and we didn't sign it, and it was just something that just was in the background, um, and. Uh, and then I remember going, getting up to sort of Christmas time, and and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just we we never got round to signing it because of one reason or another. And then Roy was being linked with like the England job, and I remember sitting next to him for an FA Youth Cup game. We were watching the, the young lads play, and it came up on Sky in one of one of the um, TVs behind us, and I remember turning to him and I went, "Don't you fucking dare!" Like, because I was like, if you leave, then all of a sudden I'm out of contract in the summer or or whatever. And then it it becomes like, yeah, it's a bit of a rat race to sort of make sure that you're secure enough. Uh, And then it ended up being like, he he ended up going and I didn't sign. And then Steve Clark came in and, you know, it, it all got a bit messy.
0: So were you, so did you leave in the summer of that? end of that season or after all Yeah, the
1: end of the yeah, the next season, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And was twenty
1: twelve.
0: Was, yeah. was that difficult to go consider you just got your feet under the table in sort of the Premier League as well?
1: Yeah, it was, but um I remember being away with Ireland in, in the Euros and I got a phone call from Steve Clark and, and he said, you know, go and enjoy it. Hope you know hope it goes well for you, you know, from a country's point of view and from an individual point of view. I hope it you know, hope you get what you need out of it. Um, he said, but I need to, like, I'll speak to you when I, when you come back. And I was like, perfect, no problem. Like, thanks for reaching out. You know, all that. I came back, um, went to collect my car from the training ground. He was there. Went in, sat down with him, and he said, look, you know, go enjoy your holiday. Come back a couple of weeks later. Um, he said, but I'm going to be signing Romelu Lukaku, and I was like, all right, okay, perfect. said yeah but that makes you sort of fifth sixth choice center forward at the club obviously you have rom Pete, shane marco me somebody else you're like all of a sudden you're sort of sat there going right i the game time is now going to be even less compared to what it was like when we first went to the premier league so i was like right okay so I'd just come back from what was effectively probably the biggest high in my career playing at Euros to now have, like being in a position to find a club and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was just
0: a bit of a mad one, really. Little breaking play here from our Simon Cox podcast as we talk about our sponsor. Now, as you all know, the Baggies Broadcast is brought to you in association very kindly with the Ketland Toaster Man, the graded product specialist based in Briley Hill. Um, and if you want to get something from there, they have got a massive array of products. Mixers, toasters, kettles, cookware, tea and coffee, hair care, kitchen bins, appliances, microwaves, laundry, air fryers, even more. You name it, if you want it for your house, they have got it with some unbelievable prices. So if you're keen on something, as we said, looking forward to Christmas. As I said last time, you know, you need to get some Christmas presents in, get over to the Kettle and Toaster Man. You can almost do it all in one place. So if you want to go over to the kettleandtoasterman.co.uk to have a look at their products. If you want to look in store, head to Thorns Road on Briley Hill. Right now, back to Simon Cox. Yeah, just find a one for me before Lewis comes in. You mentioned there uh, and you mentioned Dan Ashworth at the top of the conversation. We we at the podcast are big. Well, West Brom fans are big fans of Dan Ashworth for what he did for West Brom. We had him on last summer, and you know, fascinating chat to, to hear about you know his time at the club. What was it like with players and, and, and like daily interaction? Obviously, you said there he's a bit of a hard bargainer when it comes to contracts. But was he? Did you have a lot of contact with him? And how did the players? Did the players sort of get on with Dan as well? And, and, yeah. and how did he, that dynamic work?
1: No, like, he was brilliant. He was well, obviously he was at the training ground. He was the face of it really because Jeremy had his office. Um, he was in it or not in it. Um, but Dan was your go-to. Um anything that you needed, you'd go to him. If he could do it, he would do it. If he if he couldn't do it, he would say, I can't do it. Um and I remember like even even little things like I had my house while I was away um on holiday one year, it got burgled. And he was the first one at the door, you know, with the police and everything else. And that, and that just shows like the humility of the man and 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 how he wants to look after the players and things like that. It just, um, yeah, he was he was brilliant. And I've got you know loads of time for Dan, and you know it's, it's great to see that he's gone on and and done amazing things. At, and at, it's not just that one football club; he's done it at Brighton. He's done it, at, you know, he's doing it at Newcastle. He's obviously went and done it in England as well. He's, Big part of like the way that he's shaping football, which is uh, which
0: is amazing. Yeah, no, that was great to hear, Lewis. I'll pass it over to you for the for the next yeah. part, anyway, pal.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Simon. Um, um, oh man, I just uh, interested to hear your time at Albion there, obviously coming to an end, and I'm sure you have heard bits of of interest. Obviously, moved to a Forest, wasn't it, in the end? And um, yeah, I'm sure there was interest. I just wonder what that move was like for you. Sort of one moment getting settled in the top flight, trying to do that. Did did you then have a mindset that you know if I have to drop down again, then I'm I feel yeah I feel a really well rounded player and I'll be in a great place to to kick on again and push back up.
1: Yeah, so I want if I was going to drop down, I was going to drop. I wanted to drop down to a club that I felt was going to push for the playoffs at least. Um, and obviously a couple of seasons before that, obviously it was Newcastle, West Brom, and Forest who were. We were fighting for sort of top two places. So I knew that they were a club that were, you know, in a good place and um, would, would be pushing. So that they'd just been taken over by a Qatari um, consortium. So I knew that there was, you know, ambition there straight away. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a case of, right, pick the football club that um, that I felt had the best opportunity to, to be, a success that season, so I chose Forest.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there was a a reported fee as well. I mean, that's that's football these days, isn't it? You were in in contract, as we say. So, did that? I mean, how was going to Forest? Did the fee bring any any of that pressures, or do you try and steer clear of that? And, and how did you find the early part of the move?
1: Um, I thought it was fine. Like the fees, I don't, I never really get harped up on fees, to be fair, because it's not you can't control that. That's, that's what somebody deems a value for you. Um, And it's the football, the selling football clubs priority to get as much for you as, as they can for your foot, for that football club. So that's got nothing to do. Obviously the, the bit that you can control is theoretically what you get paid and things like that. So, you know, if somebody turns around and says, Oh, you're on 5 million a year or whatever. And they turn around and go, you're not worth that. Well, you know, uh, sorry, but that's what they're paying me. I mean, like, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really get harped up on that. And and going to a, f- a football club which was, you know, old European champions and the big hype around the football club about the new consortium taking over was just a was just a really good fit to sort of the sort of pickup I wanted. From when you know go from the Euros to being let go to sort of right now and going to a, a, another good football club of uh, with a bit of stature.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just on your international career in the Euros, we're absolutely getting onto that, and I'm look forward to hearing about that. But um, yeah, I mean, go, going to being at a club like Forest, we always hear about their history and we know the size of the club, and great to see them doing well again now. Um, just how how did you find the, the the whole stature and profile of it, and and where where were they at the
1: time, you know? It was uh, it was tough because the one thing that I got it's hard to say I got annoyed with it, but it was one thing that was always rammed down your throat is that we are old European champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and we shouldn't be in the championship. We should be in the Premier League. And then I always used to say to supporters. I said, but you're not. You're not in the Premier League and you're not European champions anymore. Yes, your history is amazing. You know, congratulations to the lads and that who've done it. The, the Gary Burtles and the Martin O'Neill's and all these people. But they're not here now. You have to support the lads that are here. And if you think that the lads are here, that are here aren't anywhere near as good as the lads who won the European Championship so be it, you know, that's your, that's your choice. But ultimately you support the football club. So support the players that are here. And that's where I had a couple of run-ins with a few supporters, because I always used to sort of turn around to people and go, but what you're supporting now isn't what you were supporting back in the sixties or the seventies or whatever it was. So it was, uh, it was just, just hard to get your head around that you kept getting it thrown down your throat. that This is what they, they used to be. They used to be, they used to be, they weren't at the time. So, um, but it's still, a, it's still a great club, do you know what I mean? With and, and you see the history of the football club as you go through the training ground and it's all, you know, all the, the murals and everything else are up there, which is lovely to see and, and gives you, like, inspires you to sort of try and get back there. Um, yeah. But it's a process to do so.
2: Yeah, a, a couple of seasons there, wasn't it? And you scored some goals. I mean, how, how would you surmise your, your two years at, at the club? And what were, you, were they... Were they pushing? Were they in the shouts of playoffs or was it tougher times then? Or? Uh,
1: well, we had one season, I think my first season, where we pushed and we we missed out on the final day. We, oh, we, right. had, we had to beat Leicester to get in the playoffs. Um, and then um, we, I don't know if we, we drew, I think, um, and, uh, or... Well, we got we were drawing and we needed to win so we were pushing and then ended up getting caught on the counter and, and and we lost and we didn't make it and then it was a little bit like after that season things started to unravel a little bit you know right. people started to come into the football club who had no football backgrounds and you know it just, it just got a bit messy it was it wasn't a nice place to be in, in the last couple of years
2: yeah yeah I, I was gonna get onto your next move them uh Simon but actually yeah really interesting to hear about that because I, I did wonder if you know your spell there at Forest sort of coincided with and that their, their struggles during that time are well documented weren't they and yeah. um and, and all of that but so so you as a player you experienced the start of that and um and I'm sure your the squad you were with there you know you've got memories and experiences of that and that can't have been easy at the time
1: no no we and listen we were a very very capable team as well. The likes of Chris Cohen, Nandy Reed, Dexter Blackstock, you know, yeah. all you know, well seasoned players who have had very good careers. And um, but the unraveling of the football club was because there was a there was so much toxic stuff going on behind the club. You know, bringing in people who were feeding information back to the to the owners and things like that, it just wasn't a nice place to be, and and then all of a sudden you sort of sat there and you don't know if you're if you're talking to a teammate or you're talking to someone who's feeding information. It just it just yeah. wasn't a nice place, and uh, and and it made for a horrible sort of dressing room, really.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still got you, you know you scored goals in your second season, didn't you? And then we go into the next one, and uh, and it goes full circle, doesn't it? And you're you're back yeah. at your level where it all started.
1: Yeah, like a similar sort of thing that happened. At, uh, uh, West Brom with Steve Clark he, you know um Stuart Pearce took over halfway through a season at, uh at for just what, 10 games 12 games to go whatever it was and I think he was still England under 21s manager at the time so he he had that and he he was sort of overseeing from afar and uh and I remember coming back in for pre-season I was out of contract with, you know the next season and I met I started pre-season really well came back really good shape um big confidence about me, really excited about it. And I was going through pre-season, scoring goals in pre-season, really enjoying my football. And I remember chatting to him and I was like, look, you know, I'm out of contract. you know, you've seen me now for pre season. What do you think? Are you uh, you know, is there an opportunity to sort of go and get new new deal or or what what's your thoughts? And he was like, you know, still a bit early, you know, yeah. we'll we'll see as time goes. Literally a week later, get a um we are playing actually west brom on uh in a pre-season friendly i'm sat in the dressing room uh waiting for him to sort of name his starting 11 for the friendly and he, he calls me out the dressing room calls me into a little like a bit of a cubby hole really at the, at the training ground underneath the stadium um and he says uh he said look you know i want you to go and be a part of um a, a, a transfer with i want to bring Mikel antonio into forest I want you to go to Sheffield Wednesday. I went, nah, I'm not going. And he was like, Well, look, you're not playing today, so you can go home. Um, and I was like, right. So obviously phoned the missus and said, like, look, my time is done. Um, they want me to go to Sheffield Wednesday. I said, I'm not going there. Um, I so I phoned my agent like the next day and was like, they don't want me at the club anymore. Um Let's let's sort of circulate the name and and see where we can get if there's anywhere else out there that that would take me so then uh then I get my chance you know to go back to reading which was which was great and I was able to go home and um, be part of that football club again.
2: yeah, that sounds like it perhaps it wasn't the easiest time, but did I read correctly just then that you actually started the first game of of that season for Forest before moving or have I got those seasons? No, or- no,
0: no, 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 I never played again.
2: Yeah. All oh, right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the
0: bad research it, there. Bad research. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think I was looking at the wrong section, to
0: be honest. But, um,
2: yeah. I mean, Simon, just just going back, why wouldn't you? I guess learned of their interest again. That well, that sounds to use a cliche, a bit of a no-brainer. Um, but why wouldn't you? Close to close to family, presumably, and, yeah. and a real chance to uh, well to perform there as a senior player, established senior player.
1: Well, that that's it. Like that was the sort of reasons really. But you also have to remember that, like when I was there the first time, I only made like five, six, or seven appearances. You know, a lot of them from yeah. the bench. And never, I never made a start. Never scored a, a senior goal for the football club. So when I went back, it, yes, okay, it was going back to Reading, but it wasn't as if I was a senior player when I left, and I'm coming back as a senior player. I was a young lad, and I came and I came back as a senior player. So I still felt like it was new to me. As much as I knew a lot of people there and, and they were going through, again, my, my time, my my uh, movements at football clubs always seem to be with transitional periods. So uh, <laughs> they, um, you know, just again, got relegated from the Premier League, had to sell like Adam LaFondra, had to sell Sean Morrison, Alex McCarthy. Um, so they were selling a lot of their players who, who wanted to play in, in the Premier League. Um, and the owner, the Russian owner wasn't, um, putting any more money in. He was selling the football club. Sir John Modanski took it back over who had literally like no money left from his time as previous owner. Um, he was trying to sell the football club and it was just a bit of a mess. And we had to, we had to go back and play, I had to go back in and play with a lot of young, young lads who hadn't played a first in game in their, in their careers to date. And, uh, and it was, a, it was a tough time, but it was one that, again, like you said before, go back home, be around sort of your home comforts and your family and everything else. And it was just something I really, you know, really wanted to do.
2: Yeah. And I mean, without knowing, without obviously being there at the time, just looking at your, your figures and that in that first main full season, you you still scored goals, didn't you, once again? And, uh, yeah. so it, you know, you must have been obviously doing something right on the pitch. But...
1: Yeah, I mean... <sighs> If you, if you go back over this, this story, a lot of these stories will will end up with either a change of ownership or a change of manager. Yeah. So we go up, uh, so getting in the first few games of the season, obviously Nigel Atkins is the manager at the time, and we do okay. You know, we do for, for a bunch of lads who, again, let's say young lads who hadn't played a lot of football um, and a lot of academy products, hadn't played we were doing okay, you know, we were keeping our necks above water, which was great. Um, and then we started to sort of grow a little bit. We did okay. Um, then we started to have a bit of a, a down downward turn, and then that ended up with like Nigel Atkins um, leaving. And then all of a sudden, Steve Clark comes in. So then that's where like for me, I then have to make a decision and a choice of how to play that one. So I go in, sit down with Steve Clark. And go look. Obviously, the West Brom thing—you are bringing in Romelu Lukaku. This is a little bit different. You know, you're not going to be able to bring big Rom into into Reading. Um, how how is our relationship? Is are we okay? You know, is there anything that you need me to sort of do? And he was like, that one was that one. This one's completely different. And I was like, right, perfect. You know, like that's that's the sort of green green light, a uh, green tick I needed for for me to be comfortable where I'm at. You know, it gets, and I had a really good relationship at the time with Glenn Murray who came in on loan from Palace yeah. and, and we were doing really well together and and we would have gone on and done really, really well together. And I was begging and pleading all January for the club to sign him, just sign him. Don't care what it takes, just sign him. Sign him. if you can sign him and he was like, yeah, but I'm going back to play at Palace, you know, Premier League. That's what I like. and I was like. Yeah, but like, you know, you might not you you might not play the next season, so why short sight it and stay here for three years or whatever? Anyway, we didn't sign him, and then that basically was my life at Reading done because Steve Clark then bought in we had Jamie Mackey who played up front in the end with big Pavel Pogrebniak. Remember him the big Yeah. Ad? um so all of a sudden my time just went down. Um so yeah, so that was that was my the end of that first season at Reading. It sort of ended on a bit of a bad note, um, which is a bit of a shame.
2: Yeah, because you you obviously you went on loan to Bristol City, didn't you? And I know if you if you want to go into that, or just give us an oversight on how that was. But before we get on to uh, to Southend, in in obviously the third tier and uh, a place you stayed for for quite a long time and and did uh, did very well, didn't you? Scored a lot of goals there, and I know you're yeah. you're, you're you know well remembered there certainly.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Bristol City thing was a bit strange because I came back from pre season. Like we'd just been Reading had just been taken over by Thai owners, and I came back to the football club, and I was injured. I had to get a little injection and operation done, um, so I stayed back. And I said to Steve, I was like, "Look, I'm not going to come to Thailand because the fourteen hour, fifteen hour flight or whatever it is." He's probably not going to help me i'm going to lose a day it's going to take me a couple of days in jet lag and everything to get over it not going to really get great working so i might as well stay here with the physio get really good work and i'll be ready for when you come back he was like yeah fine no problem anyway they come back and it's literally like ostracized me i'm out of the picture you know i'm in the gym i'm not out on the training ground uh training pitch i'm in the gym like doing absolutely no work outside the transfer window shuts, and then you have a couple of weeks, and then the loan window opens, and then like I get a phone call, say like Bristol City want you. I was like, All right, okay, fine. Um, obviously not going to play at Reading, so why not
2: mm. go
1: go to Bristol City? Steve Cottrell, mad as a box of frogs, but really good guy, um, and with a really good, really honest group of lads as well. And I went there, and honestly. God knows what happened in that time. Uh, I literally probably played about, what I was there from, was it? End of August, September time through yeah. to January. I probably played the equivalent of about 45 minutes of football. I was uh, on the bench, I was on the bench every game. Um, I'd come on for five minutes here one week and I wouldn't, I wouldn't come on for about five weeks or whatever. And, and it got to a point it was being it was silly I was he would get yeah. me in, he would get me in in the morning and I would be with the fitness guy and in the, in the strength and conditioning coach early in the morning 7 30 in the gym I'd then obviously have breakfast go out to train I'd then run after training we'd then go and i would do a gym session in the afternoon that was my daily routine while I was yeah. there and then, you know, even it got silly because before games, like the day before we'd obviously travelled to an away game, me and the fitness coach go in the gym on the Friday, you know, and, I, and I'd be on the bench on the Saturday, but we we all knew that I wasn't going to be involved or be, be playing, so it made no difference. And that, it just, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of it and I don't know why it went that way, but, you know, I, I have my own thoughts of, of why it was that way, but... It was just a bit silly and a, and a really bad move in the end. But I loved, actually, really strange, I really loved my time there because I got to know some really good lads. It was a really good football club um, and, like, loads of the lads and I'm mates for life with because yeah. I spent loads of time there, you know, with them. Um so it was just a really strange time. Um and then ended up coming back to Redding and, and playing the last 12 games of the season and, and doing really well with that, you know. So it all made really no sense to me, which was a bit <laughs> of a strange one. Um, yeah. but yeah, then I left and left Reading and I was at a massive, massive crossroads because I just didn't know where to go. I hadn't played a lot of football. Um what have
2: you been mid to late twenties here or getting it to,
1: towards 30, I was say, probably 30-ish.
2: 31? Yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah. that end, wasn't it? So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so,
1: yeah. It was. It was a. It was a tough one. It was a tough one because I didn't. I didn't. Like I say, I hadn't played a lot of football. So whenever you're talking to managers or agents or head of recruitments or whoever it is, the first thing they say to you is like, "How are you?" And I'd be like, "I'm fine. I'm ready, fit, ready to go." You said, "Yeah, but you haven't played a lot of football, have you?" Think, well, a lot of that isn't down to me for some reason or another, you know, yeah, and I still cool. played the last 12 games of the season. So, um, you know, a lot of them weren't really open to taking me in. Uh, uh, and then I got a phone call from Phil Brown and and, and it was, uh, you know, every training ground looks amazing in <laughs> August or July. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't look great in November, December when the rain hit. <laughs> <laughs> so going down to to the training ground and and seeing the grass plush green and and everything it was it was fine and I wasn't signing for the the training ground or the stadium or anything else like that I was signing to go and play football you know I was I say it was 30 31 or whatever at the time 29 30 um I needed to get my career back on track a little bit otherwise I was slowly going to filter out of the of the game and that wasn't what I wanted really
2: yeah I mean I'm fascinated to hear what how you found Phil Brown I suppose but I just had a look in your four seasons they're all in League One aren't they yeah. and we know what's where, where South End are now what's happened since and, and I've got to say we've got a particularly excited member of the sports desk at the Express and Star newspaper who's a die-hard South End fan yeah. so he's he's been buzzing all morning really and pretty jealous that I'm here speaking to you and, and not himself but um, he'll look forward to this segment at least, anyway, because. You yeah, you were very much in the goals there, weren't you? And I mean, I covered a League One team at the time, actually. So I saw a lot a lot of yourself playing, um, certainly for the Shrimpers. And uh, how was that? You, you must look back at that very fondly, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, the one thing I found with Phil Brown, he was he was honest, whether you liked it or he didn't like it. Um, very similar to Steve Cottrell, you know, mad as anything, um, because you could literally have you could you could be the best thing since sliced where one day you get beaten, and all of a sudden, you know, you're in at seven o'clock in the morning and, and that you just you just never knew. But it was it was good to work for in the first season we again we missed out I think final day on the, the playoffs got um we didn't I don't think we what or we won and some um, Millwall won as well and we needed them to draw or lose and, and they end up getting promoted that season. So, you know, what could have been it could have been us at South End getting promoted, but um And then the following season, we just, we didn't start great. We never really started great, but we got, we gained momentum. You know, it was, it was, uh, we went on a really strange run. Um, Also, we went on a bad run and then ended up with Phil Brown losing his job after my second season. Um, And then Chris Powell came in and then we went on, and then we went on a mad run of something like three defeats in 27 or something like that. And, And it just sort of gave us, a really nice platform to to be successful, and um, and and we we weren't uh, listen. We weren't the best team in the league, but we were really hard working, and we were um, we yeah. tried we tried to get to to sort of overachieving. We just never really got to that that final stage of of making it into the playoffs.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'm moving on, uh, moving through Simon like coming. Towards the end, there and really interested to hear about obviously your your big move uh, across the world to the the other side of the pond. I mean, if if I'm right in having a look, did it tally with around the time the pandemic hit? Which,
1: uh, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: that's some interesting timing for you there, isn't it? On the other side of the world,
1: well, I mean, it was uh, you know, my time at South, then I never envisage myself leaving the football club I always thought I would go into a coaching role there like right. when I was signing my last contract at the club I was trying to get the chairman to put in you know goes into a any kind of coaching role or any sort of role at the football club to help you know players progress and things you know whatever whatever role he wanted to sort of name it as um And again, we were going to sign it. And then we started the season poorly. And then he sort of parked that contract. He parked all of that. And then that sort of went in the bin. Um, And then he appointed. It was was a bit of a mad one. We had a manager at the time who was an... We had a manager. He left. Then we had an interim manager. Then we had a debacle of whether we were signing Henrik Larsson or Sol Campbell. We were about to appoint Mm -hmm. Henrik Larsson. And then all of a sudden, he, I think he came to look at the training ground and I think he decided to go, absolutely not. Um, and then, he, funny enough, he went and signed with Barcelona. So, I mean, I can see why he's not chosen Roots all over the new Camp. But, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> then we, and then we signed Sol Campbell. And, and that is a story um, that, I mean, it was just a nightmare. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sol
0: Campbell went to
1: safe end. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: was, of course uh, he
0: did. Yeah, I remember going to Knox County. That was a strange enough move. Knox
1: County, and then he got the um, he did get a Macclesfield. Macclesfield, does it? Job, yeah. Got a Macclesfield job, kept them up, and then all of a sudden came to Southend, and and he was an absolute shower off. um, yeah, he wasn't great, and then like, but that was it. That was my time. Then like that, I got told and um. um what was it for the Boxing Day game? So I got told like a couple of days before Christmas, you know, you're not gonna play here, we're gonna go in a different direction. So find basically find yourself a new club. So I was like, sound, no problem. Um because I didn't I, I couldn't work with him. He was he won't yeah, yeah. he won't my, my cup of tea. So um so yeah, so I then ended up going out to Australia. <laughs> um Amazing. It was it was a it was a strange one because the season before we just stayed up, um, and that summer I had a phone call and they said, like how do you feel about going to Australia?" And I was like, "Jesus, that's like it's not next door, that is it?" Um, and uh, and I said, "Well, you know, tell me a bit about it, you know." And the, and the manager at the time was Marcus Babel, uh the ex-Liverpool yeah. player and uh being a Liverpool fan I was like oh I like quite like that and and he phoned me a couple of times and I had a chat with him on the phone and I was like I sort of like understand it and um sort of did a bit of research on him. and, and there's him like standing on the training ground big sunglasses on looking like million dollars and you're thinking ah, I feel like I could get used to that um but because I had another year left at South End the chairman wouldn't let me leave and obviously they don't they don't buy anybody over there, you have to go on a free. So and then Ron, the chairman at South End wasn't gonna let me go on a free. Um, it was only when Sol Campbell told me I was basically surplus, was um, that's when like, I was able to sort of negotiate my way out. Um, and then as soon as I, I got told I was like surplus at at um South End, I phoned the agent I was like, Look, is that options still available like I kind of fancy a bit of sunshine and and trying something new and he said yeah absolutely and the deal was the deal was done probably within about two weeks and um, I think I signed or flew over in middle of middle of January I think
2: yeah yeah and you went on to spend a good year and a half was it there I think you you say I guess it well I know it coincided with with the pandemic I mean just give us a I don't know if all your family you know your family went out there, I presume they did. Give it give us no, no, no just yourself. Oh. No. <laughs> Were you, did you manage to get back to the UK for the for the lockdown? Give us a snapshot of it all.
1: Yeah, so I signed, I think, January, and then uh, my missus came out for two weeks. She then came home and never came back. Um <laughs> she just she hated it. Um didn't, oh, right. didn't she didn't enjoy it at all. Uh then my parents came out for three weeks. And about halfway through their stint was when, you know, things started to get a bit serious with the pandemic and uh, especially back here because my dad was getting phone calls left around and centre all through the night because of the time difference. And he was just like, look, you know, I'm going to have to leave and, and go home. And I was like, right, okay. So they left about halfway through their, their time over there. Um, and we shut down, I think April, I think. And I came back, I oh, don't know yeah we shut down middle of May uh, middle of March I came back April 1st um right. and then I was back here for from April till middle of June I think yeah. uh went back two weeks in quarantine finished the 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 A league season uh that we had paused finished that flew I hadn't uh had an operation out there came back spent what well, Um, July to November, October middle of October I think here Um, flew back another two weeks in quarantine (laughs) pre-season then um, did the season over there and then yeah it was a bit of a mad one because my wife was pregnant at the time um, and she had our little girl while I was still over there um so my little one was born in february and i came back in may wow i mean yeah
2: first of all that 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 april flight home uh right at the start of pandemic you did you did well to get on a flight full stop didn't you because the, well, that was it yeah
1: it was it was a case of didn't know what i was flying into obviously people couldn't get into australia let alone leave australia so i was like I think we, the, the lads and that, that weren't from Australia, were trying to get home as quick as possible, and and uh, and yeah, I was pretty lucky enough to get on the plane.
2: The, the, those twenty uh, four hour flights following by two weeks quarantine do not sound fun, to be honest. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> do you know what? Though the flight, it's not as it's not, it is bad, but it's not that bad because it's broken up. Yeah. Yeah, you get like your whether you fly eight hours to Dubai or you fly twelve hours to Asia or where, whatever way you go round, um, and you have a little layover and you get you know get a bit of food and drink or whatever and, and then you sort of psych yourself up for the next <laughs> the next leg of it. But it's uh listen, if it was twenty four hours straight, I'd, uh, nobody would ever go. But it's uh yeah. the fact that it's broken up is actually quite nice.
2: And did you have to do your your final season there? That, what what would that have been? Twenty twenty one. Was that behind closed doors over there as well? Was it? Or? We
1: started we we started the season. We definitely finished the first season behind closed doors. Yeah. That was that was very strange. And and the way that the A League is, and because Australia is such a vast country, they brought every team from the other states. They brought them all into New South Wales. um so we played all the games at like two or three stadiums um and they just put everybody up in hotels and gave them training grounds and stuff like that so it was really well done in that sense obviously everybody then is away from their families who you know if you play in brisbane or you play in wellington uh, or you play in um melbourne or somewhere else like that like you're just you're just away from your families and uh so that's obviously not the good part of it but they, they did that bit well. Then the second season, we started um, behind closed doors, and then as as they sort of got yep. better, as uh, with the restrictions, and everything else, and and the numbers came down, then all of a sudden they start they they start to allow people back in.
2: Yeah, good. I happened to notice just before we went on that um, obviously at the end of your contract there, and you confirmed your retirement. We've actually um, just passed the anniversary. I don't know if uh, yeah yeah fifteenth yeah yeah. Um, which I thought was quite fitting. And I mean, give, we can go into it a bit deeper maybe, but give us a, a summary of, of your year, really. I mean, what have you been up to? What do you want to get up to? How have you found life after professional football?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was having a quick quick chat about it earlier, but um, I my, my sole focus when when I decided that I was leaving Australia and I came back, and obviously here back in the UK, it was still... The restrictions in place. It was still like behind closed doors games. It was still, um, you know, only a certain amount of people allowed into stadiums and stuff, stuff like that. And and I remember coming back. And I didn't I didn't plan to retire when I first came back from Australia. I planned to carry on. Um, and I remember trying to phone, well, speaking to a lot of managers and a lot of people within football. And because of the pandemic, everybody was working to a sort of smaller budget and a smaller squad size and everything else. And I just completed my licence as a coach. And what I was going to clubs and offering was, I'll come in, I'll play, however many games you want me to play. But I also want to get some coaching experience as well. And a lot of them were like... I can't, I can't do it. Like we can't bring you in, do dual role. We can't have you in the dressing room one day and, and not the next, or whatever. Um, so I couldn't find myself anything, and and the the clubs and that that were interested in me just coming and playing were like north of Nottingham. And my house now is in Essex. Now that's a four and a half hour, five hour journey. And I was like, I'm not little ones born. I'm not, I've just spent 18 months in Australia. I'm not now going to go and spend days, weeks in hotels or an Airbnb or whatever it is in a, northern part of the country away from the family when they're in the same I just I just wasn't prepared to do it so then it got to a point where like no southern club was really looking at at bringing me in and I sort of sat down with the family and I always said to myself like if I have like the sit down chat with the family and say look I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and retire and I remember if I ever started to write my retirement speech I remember going on holiday and uh, I started to write it on the plane and I always said to myself, if I start to write it and I become like emotional or like not happy with it or any, I said I wouldn't do it. I would, I would just, just not come out and retire. I would sort of keep trying to push for another club or something like that. But as I was writing it, I felt really happy, really satisfied with where I was, um, and I thought, well, I'm quite happy with where I'm at now, and yeah. um, and it sounds like it's a really good time to do it, so. Yeah, and then what? Five days ago, a year. Um, I uh, yeah, I, I just came out and retired, so it was it was nice. And um, since then, <laughs> it's just been a, a whirlwind of of things. Like, I tried to get in for coaching roles, tried to do a bit of media stuff, a bit of punditry stuff, which I really really enjoy. Um, yeah, I still love football, of course I do. I like like watching it, like going to games and stuff. I don't go that often now because of the little one. Um, So yeah, it was a bit of a, now just trying to find things to do really. Like I'm I'm about to set up a franchise gym in, in the area that I live, which is going to be open hopefully in the new year. So take what I learned from football with the camaraderie, the dressing room, the community side of things and, and help people achieve their goals and the way that the, you know mental health is at the minute it's uh it's something that we can push massively and and see people achieve what they they want to look like really and and have that sense of togetherness and uh so i'm really excited about that but you know if something uh if something football wise comes up then you know it has to it has to be right
2: yeah according to um the brief script my colleague johnny put together ahead of this um Simon, you, you've spoken on um, on another podcast and, and opened up about some parts of post retirement that haven't been as easy. Some bits you've struggled to come to terms with. Maybe I mean, could you just give us an insight there? What, what's been the, the hard parts?
1: <sighs> Staring at the same four walls. <laughs> um It's it's been it's been it was like the start of it. Listen, you come back and I've got a three month old baby, and this and it's brilliant. You get used to that and everything else, and that's great. Um, but then, when you realise that you, for seventeen years, you've had structure, you've had routine in your life, and then all of a sudden, that you're you're a law unto yourself. You can get up when you you get up when you, your baby wakes you up, pretty much. But you can get up when you like. You can eat what you like. You can drink what you like. And go come and go as much as you like. Um, there's no structure there. There's no routine. Um, and and I found myself sat in my living room watching daytime TV way too much and it is horrible it is horrible and the one thing that I really struggled with is that nobody was nobody was talking to me no one was reaching out to me no one was you know opening the door to say come and see say hello let's go for a coffee anything else like that and I thought that that's when I was a player you'd find that people pick up the phone And then when you finish and you retire and all of a sudden it's like they just push mute on your button or they just decline your, your number and everything. So I found it really, really tough. Um, but then I realised that like if I want to still be part of people's lives or if I want to do something with myself, it's now down to me and I've got to get out and, and be out of the house and little one, when she goes to nursery, go do something. So during the the sort of lockdown um I had a gym built in my garden and, and and I now go in there every day um it gives me something to do it gives me a purpose and that's probably one of the reasons why I'm setting up this gym because I know what it's like to sort of be in a routine be in a rut where you sit and you do absolutely nothing you feel you feel worthless you feel like there's no end in sight to get out of that you know deep dark tunnel and uh and I was sort of lucky enough that I had like my wife she's she's amazing she's she's helped me massively um get you know kick you in the backside loads of times to go and get yourself in the gym because you know you're a mess or like you sit and you you just you just don't feel like it and she's like no in you go and you think oh well that's that that helps me so that's why I want to try and help help people
2: yeah nice Brilliant, mate. Good for you. I mean, just before we get into a final uh, Albion point to, to, to sum it all up, um, yeah, it sounds great about the gym and good luck with that. But it sounds like there's still maybe a slight bit of light. We could see Simon Cox in a, in a football coaching role down the line, or, or dare I say, management, or is it just coaching? Or
1: no, no, I no. That's the thing. I don't want to be a manager. And to be honest, I'm not a big lover of wanting to coach. I, like, I want to oh. have, I want to be the, I want to be the person who. Organizes, make sure that you know the lads are playing the way that they play and you make sure that you know there's um, the camaraderie in the dressing room making sure that everybody is working towards the end goal that's what I feel like I can give the best from trying to keep everybody happy obviously it's a tough ask but open and honest conversations all the time making sure that you know people are pulling in the same direction you're not having any bad sort of eggs in the dressing room. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I like. I like that idea. You know, if if you have to coach, you have to coach. And that's something I'm comfortable with, just not something that I you know, I do enjoy it, but it's not something that I would would rather do. if if you gave me the choice of the two, I'd rather be the manager than the coach. But yeah. um but yeah, I mean listen, if if something came up in football and it and it fitted, then yeah, absolutely. I was actually thinking like <laughs> it was gonna do it as a bit of a joke, send my CV for the West Brom job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> why not? As, as, <laughs> still no one in the uh, in the hot seat, so why not? Just just yeah. fun. And then before Johnny, Johnny's uh, going to wrap it up with a with a quiz of your baggy's career. So no, no. pressure. No no, yeah. I did one
1: of these the other day, and I got three out of four, three out of five. So Get
2: the
0: no, you'll, you'll, you'll breeze through for this one then.
2: But, but for just us. to just just to ref, reflect on your Albion time as a, as a whole, how would you sum it up the memories? Um, what what you enjoyed there? I, I'm sure they're positive uh, overall. Yeah. Certainly, how, how would you surmise them? Yeah, I loved
1: it. I loved I loved being in the sort of bubble of the football club. I really enjoyed sort of the success we had. Obviously, come in. As a lower league player and and left, you know what a Premier League player, which was brilliant, and uh, and meeting so many amazing people along the way, and it and it just reaffirmed that when when I came back for the uh, for the Legends game, um, yeah. you know seeing so many of the old faces again, and um, you know that, that's not just necessarily players, that's backroom staff. I mean Richie Rawlings is still there, Kev the Doc is still there, even Jill the secretary, she's she's there still and and it just you know you just see so many amazing people and I, and I loved every second of my time
0: there wonderful
2: great to hear about it thanks so much for that <laughs> um,
0: fantastic conversation
2: sorry uh, go on so, louis you know so openly about your time as well after football and stuff
0: that's right no like Lewis said there you know you've been more than generous with your time you just got a little quick fire quiz like you said there you've you're pretty clued up on your on your sort of career stats, but we'll we'll see how you get on with these. Uh, first one, we're going to go back to your first Albion goal, which I believe came in a League Cup clash with Rotherham, which was a four three win. Um, can you remember who got the other goals for Albion? Yeah, see, no,
1: see, you said I was going to breeze through this. This is where I struggle.
0: <laughs> so one, said, I'll I give you a clue. Me. So I'll give you a clue. One player got a brace that night, and the other one, and the other one we've already talked about quite heavily on the pod, so I'll give you a few clues.
1: Yeah, you haven't really given me a clue because you said the clues <laughs> was about me. Um... <laughs> Hopefully they're not all
2: tricky. I don't...
0: That, did Ryman score two? No. I think just a striker who probably left that summer. If my Albion knowledge is not deceiving me. He played in the Legends game. There you go, there's your clue. He did quite well,
2: well. Both of them did, yeah.
1: Oh... Uh...
0: Oh, shit.
1: Quick fire quiz,
0: yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, As a third clue, the striker looked nothing like he did when he played for West Brom. <laughs> oh. No, no idea. Greg BT got two. Oh, so he did. And I think he did leave that summer, if I remember rightly. Yeah, he went to Swansea, didn't he? Yeah. And then the other one was the man who probably fed a lot of your goals that season, first season for Albion. It would kind of been Dozer because he scored them all. We've got Graham Dorans, yeah, Graham <laughs> Dorans. He got the other one. Um, you scored the winner in the third round of the, well, EFL Cup as it's known now. The following season, it was a two-one win over a Premier League team. Can you remember who the Premier League team was? Man City. Manchester City. <laughs> Romans got the other one, so the the other one eh? the extra, yeah, we'll give you an extra point for that one. The first one was tough. Um this is again, this is sort of regarding a, one of your, your Albion appearances. You your first start came against Blackpool. Uh, Premier League start even, sorry, came yeah. against Blackpool. Yeah, but you came off after twelve minutes. Yeah. And two players got sent off for Albion that night. Can you yeah. remember which ones and which one got sent off when you came off? Uh
1: was it was it Pablo?
0: Was so was Pablo Gonzalo, Ibanez has just come off, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, Pablo Ibanez, he yeah. got sent off. Uh, was it Gonzalo Yara as well?
0: Gonzalo Yara, yeah. yeah, he was the other one. What was it, just on, on that, what was he like to play with? Because he just looked mad as a box. He was one of them, said one? a few times today, Yara looked mad as a box of frogs when he played oh. for Albion. Yeah, like,
1: absolutely, <laughs> headcase. <mate>. Yeah. <laughs> but great, great guy. And obviously, like, goes on and, like, well, represents Chile. Um, and I played with him at Forest as well and he was brilliant. Like I loved him. He was brilliant. But he was just like, honestly, absolute head case.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just a few, see if you, we, we talked about this earlier, this is a final question. You know, the, the goal I can remember Simon Cox for was that goal at White Hart Lane in the 2-2 draw with Tottenham. Um, so I'm going to ask you just a few little questions, see how much you remember about that day. So it was 2 all. Who got the other Albion goal that day? Peter The Peter Odenwinge. Can you remember who scored for Spurs that day?
1: Oh, uh, no, so stop focusing on other people. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna throw mad names at you here. Gonna go Aaron Lennon and Sandra,
0: Defoe, and Pavlichenko.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) and then final one who was the goalkeeper who was sprawling everywhere when you you fired it in the top corner?
1: Oh, um. Hilarious, Gomez.
0: That's Gomez. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. That's that's a solid effort. We had Andy Johnson on last week, and he was absolutely awful. Uh, so could, <laughs> yeah. He, but when he, I was talking, the, the, uh, when I
1: was talking to him at the uh, Legends game,
0: he was flipping mental as well. Oh, he's he, he's another one, Absolutely mad. But Simon Cox, you've been so so generous for your time. We really appreciate it, and appreciate you coming on the the baggage broadcast. You still thought of well for you know them seasons at the Albion, certainly that promotion campaign. So. Um, Good luck with everything that goes on, like Lewis said. Hopefully, we'll see you in a. In, in a what would you be as a manager? Suit manager or track suit manager?
1: Ah, oh, home and away suit suit for home games. Suit
0: at home, yeah. yeah. Horses for courses, yeah. <laughs> well, would best you of go luck,
1: Simon. I mean, just just quickly, sorry, and thank you.
2: Just a last point. Would you go in as manager? Obviously, it can't be easy to get your foot on on the ladder per se. Would you Would you go in at any level? You know, if it was, you know, part yeah. uh, time, would you look at that?
1: Yeah, well I did a bit of um I did a bit of coaching at a conference south team um just up the road from me, Billericay. And uh listen, from the time I went in and, and the time that we left, I felt it was going really well. We ended up winning, which is what they call the Essex Senior Cup here. We we won that, which was great. Um the team obviously ended up getting relegated. We we left um April uh Easter bank holiday weekend. Um and you know they have gone and not done so well this year so far. But um yeah, listen, I'd I'd go in at any level. You know I, I feel like it's um you, you're gonna have to stay. I'm not I'm not one of those names that you're able to sort of walk through the door. Uh, you know like I said earlier, like trying to be a bit funny with the West Brom one. I wouldn't be able to walk in and get that job. You know what I mean? So I understand that. So you're gonna have to try and earn your stripes and move forward. Um hopefully if you do and it goes well. Your name starts gaining momentum and then uh, yeah, you just have to move up the levels as as it as it comes along.
2: Absolutely. Fingers crossed. And good luck with that. And thank yes. you again.
0: Yeah, thanks for your time, Simon. Hopefully, as we said, in the West Brom dugout. Probably if this was going out now, this is not going out for another three weeks, but I'm sure you'd probably pop up on the Sky Bet odds for the Albion job. <laughs> if yeah. cut, cut yeah. um, But Simon, all the best. We look look forward to seeing you in football again in the future. Thanks for your time, mate. Really, really of course, appreciate guys. it. Thank you.